This is a single tree podcast. The music is Oliver Arnold's woven song from his From Some Kind of Peace album. Enjoy. So there's this passage in this book by Peter Levine. The book is in an unspoken voice, and it's a book about trauma and healing from trauma. And he talks about the four pathways to spiritual awakening. The first one is death. Um, Then there's meditation and sexual ecstasy and trauma. So those are the four portals to uh, surrender or spiritual awakening. And so we're just going to talk about those. But yeah, that whole thing about your nervous system, like being there to keep you alive. One of the SE practitioners that I saw said that like your nervous system is all about just getting you into the next second. Right. So... It's just all about survival. Mm-hmm. There's no death when you really meditate on impermanence. Uh-huh. It's just, uh-huh. you know. Change form. Yeah, that's it. That's a good one to, you know, spend time on. Meditating on death. That and impermanence, I think, you know. It's... I think that's kind of like the point is it leads you all the way down to the other side where it shows you nothing nothing dies but um, but everything does mm-hmm. that's liberating I think I mean death is just a concept that is present when you think about yourself as a self. If you're not thinking about yourself as a self, you're just consciousness, then it doesn't really, it's just like a portal. It's like passing through to a different form of consciousness, maybe. Yeah, and it's just something that happens. You don't, you know. So I was thinking about the caveman, like, in the beginning, you know, like. They didn't know what death was. <laughs> you don't think so? Well, I mean, I think they. I think they knew that they could, like kill something right yeah. but like for themselves you know what would it have been like I mean sure they knew they could kill an animal but what would it have been like to see you know one of your tribesmen's body just stop working I mean mm-hmm. for no reason 
Yeah. So it's like, okay, I don't know what happened there. I didn't, no one killed that body, but it just stopped working. Like, what did they think? Yeah. I was watching the geese in the pond behind my house today, this morning. Sitting out there, and there were 13 geese just swimming along in the pond. And then they crossed the street, and I was like, thinking I wonder what they do all day like did they have an agenda you know and then I was like you know we need to go over here to this pond you know mm -hmm. maybe they're like trying to find food or something just maybe that's their whole agenda for the day <laughs> and then I, and then I was thinking about this and I was thinking about like you know because they were crossing the road or whatever and like what if one of them got run over by a car it's like animals don't really think about death so much it's just something that happens you know and like how they also don't normally animals don't develop like post-traumatic symptoms or whatever because they know how to navigate that kind of stuff naturally mm -hmm. it's not like it's just part of life you know so I imagine the cavemen were similar yeah operating on just like either threat or safety but that's about it outside yeah. of that yeah your nervous system is built to respond to threat. Then <clears throat> just it's all all about survival, right? Which is good. It's fine. You know, keep you alive until you're not. But yeah, I think the death is just as much a reality as you know survival but I think we are oriented toward survival as like like it's the only goal mm -hmm. but death is like the pathway to spiritual awakening obviously So it's good to spend some time on that. It's a good vehicle. You were talking about the... Uh, is it Buddhist? That... Uh, like... There's a practice of like... Death awareness. Meditating on death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like... Uh, a meditation that they do... And there's nine steps to the whole meditation. But the first one is, yeah, you're meditating on how your body is lifeless and bloated and blue. And then it follows the steps of, like, decay all the way down to, like, then the ninth step is just a pile of dust. Yeah. 
Sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a good time. Yeah, I mean... Spend your weekend meditating on your own death. It's hard to, you know, maybe see the immediate benefits of that. But (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think there can be for sure. Uh For sure. You know? And then what's the other one? Impermanence? Impermanence. Meditating on impermanence. Mm-hmm. Everything passes away. Yep. How everything passes away or actually how everything's changing every second, you know. Mm. I don't know what the term is. Um They have a term that even breaks down the second into even smaller fractions of time and how all form is kind of always changing. Um, It's in constant flux, you know. Um, Yeah, all the way down to like, you know, trees die, bodies die, stuff decays. Yeah, and maybe death is just a transition or an evolution. And in our culture especially, there's um, there's kind of this preoccupation or even obsession with survival, but also like thriving. And so like maybe this discussion about death is... Um, going to be shocking or just a little bit different than people are used to maybe but what you know what I would say is each one of these dimensions can lead you even deeper into like thriving Mm. you know like, yeah. it's not like we're saying thriving's bad or shouldn't happen, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, I think maybe what we're suggesting is that th- thriving may be based on largely, like, illusion or ignorance and thriving based on reality. You know? Yes. And so... Thriving is good and fine and feels great, and that's not a problem. Mm -hmm. I think the idea maybe would be to try to go go the way of thriving based off of off of reality instead of you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, death and impermanence are you know very much realities. Yeah, as well. So, like, it's about accepting those as part of reality and then... Yeah, but it's like, you know, if you... There's all kinds of ways you can illustrate this. 
but you know um it's like the tulips the tulip flower you know i planted those last um, my partner and i planted those last uh fall and i had to wait all winter until spring right but they're beautiful when they when they bloom mm -hmm. so there was this eagerness built up right and then finally they came and they were beautiful but they only bloom for two to three weeks mm -hmm. and then the blooms fall off and they're at, the plant actually looks pretty boring and ugly but during that time it can help you like when they are in bloom really appreciate them and enjoy them you know what i mean for what they are but you you know they're not going to last long at the same time i think that helps you engage with them in a different way mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah because while you're enjoying them while you're taking in their beauty you know they won't last long mm -hmm. which is a totally different experience than taking in the beauty of a tulip and wishing that they would stay bloomed or yeah. wanting to hold on to it right that's yeah that's a totally different thing that we're talking about you know what i mean i mean taking yeah. in beauty feels good right but mm -hmm. there's taking in beauty wanting to like hold on to it wishing that they were going to last longer which leads you more into like regret and you know like wanting to hold on and like resistance and then there's this taking in the beauty knowing that they won't last and it doesn't lead you down that path which I think is nice nicer yeah I went through a thing with my own partner where I sort of realized like she's not mine you know and like I won't get to hold on to her forever and uh, you know when you've sort of built your life around your your family your partner even your kids and then you have this realization that like even that won't last forever I mean people believe different things about that but like that's what I sort of came to realize and it was sort of the same thing you know like we maybe want to like hold on to those things permanently you know and feel like they're ours because it makes us feel safe or something like that and then like realizing that there will be a point maybe where she or they my family is, are no longer mine um helps you enjoy it in a different way or just be holding it in a different way um and in some ways maybe makes it more meaningful the life that we have together now because we won't always be each other's or we won't always be what we are to each other now and so just the impermanence of it like 
makes it more special or something. Yeah, and you have to you have to surrender to that, right? Yeah. And that's kind of what Levine's talking about with these four different por- portals. You know, they are, as he says, like potential catalysts for surrender. Yeah, he says. Yeah, death, meditation, sex, and trauma to list them again in serving as great portals share a common element. They are all potential catalysts for profound surrender. So that's what you're talking about, surrendering that ownership, surrendering to the fact that they won't always be yours because that's just undeniably true, right? Yeah. Or me with the tulips, like... Mm-hmm. There's a, a surrendering of this holding on and a recognition of and surrendering to a reality, mm-hmm. which can bring you to kind of like a deeper way of. engaging with mm-hmm. your family or nature or whatever mm-hmm. yeah one of the things that happens when you experience trauma is this paralysis he says when we're able to touch into that death like void even briefly rather than recoil from it the immobilization or paralysis releases as people experience into the time limited time-limited paralysis sensations. In the absence of fear, they contact the many deaths that lie at the eye of the hurricane. This visitation is an opportunity to enter into the rich, enter the rich portal of death. That's just like the most profound thing that I've ever read. You guys didn't see that, but Joel just threw up his hands in (laughs) awe. I give up. There's nothing to say about Surrendered that. to it. <laughs> there's nothing there's nothing more to say. <laughs> so anyway, maybe we just talk about these things you know that are sort of these portal portals for surrender or into a spiritual awakening. One at a time or we can talk about the whole the whole idea. But yeah, again, there's this sort of understanding that like we um, manage trauma, manage anxiety, manage threat by like overcoming it, um, asserting ourselves, resisting, resisting, overcoming by resisting. Yeah. Like having power over everything in our lives. And what this is suggesting is that, like, actually, we need to succumb to it in a way. Death, even trauma, um, vulnerability. And that's like a really difficult thing to do <laughs> because your whole body is like, your whole body is made to do the opposite. Mm-hmm. right so I think about these you know we were talking I think it was the last time about a deep 
having a deeper sense you know there's kind of like your thought and your emotion and your, your physical sensation and then something deeper which is like a your consciousness or presence or whatever and um yeah if you're operating on those other levels of thought and emotion and just physical sensation even like uh you're probably going to be operating in the human way which is like to avoid death and threat and pain you know but if you're in this deeper sense this deeper consciousness then like that's not the whole goal you know mm-hmm. maybe at that consciousness level the whole goal is is rather surrender and a spiritual awakening that Levine is talking about here you know like maybe that's the whole goal when you get to a certain point again cool. it's helpful to like peel off those layers and like realize you're you're just consciousness yeah at a deeper level and then I don't know there's a shift I think that physical sensation of your nervous system like tightening up or recoiling Mm -hmm. is so ingrained in us and it's been happening since like day one it's we don't ever maybe give ourselves an opportunity to really consciously engage in that that recoiling or that tightening up and even like investigate it and think about what it is and what is happening there and why it's happening and how it's helpful and how it isn't we just have this kind of unconscious experience with it and so it's even like you know even if we get you know even if someone criticizes us, right? Or we make a mistake and someone criticizes us and we feel that tightening up in our body. We we don't question that recoiling at all. We just let it happen and it informs our whole our whole psychology kind of orients around that nervous system like recoiling and then we respond off of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think all we're just kind of suggesting is like considering trying to shed some light on this response, this recoiling, this tightening up and being willing to maybe explore what that is, why it's helpful, why it isn't. And if you have some awareness around it, you know, Maybe the next time you feel a, a criticism uh, or feel scared or something that you can let that happen but not be so kind of um, have such an unconscious relationship with it but consciously l- letting it happen out of an awareness of why it's happening. You know what I mean? And do you see what I mean? Like, yeah. if you can kind of let that mm-hmm. happen more consciously, you're not just 
reacting to it and it isn't just informing your whole psychology in the moment or or way of thinking. Yeah, so one of the first things that you can do, and this is kind of what we do in the somatic experiencing approach, which um, Peter Levine is the founder of, um, is you just kind of notice the nervous system activation that happens, right, when when there's threat, criticism, or something that you feel anxious about or scared of you know because it sort of activates your nervous system and your body's built to like manage threats so like the fight or flight thing happens you want to get away from it or you want to like do something aggressive to like deal with it and so just even practicing noticing when you get activated and you know not maybe getting into why that happened or you know people spend a lot of time like trying to figure out oh what was it you know what what was it about me or like my past or you know my situation that created this stress or this anxious reaction but just noticing what's happening in your nervous system that's kind of closer to like the physical sensations that happen um and we and you know, if you're always noticing your activation and like what helps you deactivate, you know, managing the threat somehow or getting away from it or something, then that's that's like a good step mm-hmm. in getting to this place where um, the the traumatic things that happen actually activate you to a point of overwhelm. And what Levine is talking about here is that when you get to that point of overwhelm. And basically, like, you dissociate and sometimes there's, like, this sense of paralysis that happens when you can't do anything about the threat. Then to even move into that in a way that is, maybe can be life-giving, where there's not, there's not, like, this intense fear associated with being helpless. And, like, so that's a different level. Yeah. Of it. You know? Mm-hmm. So... It's uh, it's not all about just like managing threat and making sure that you never feel anxious. <laughs> Actually, no. like if you're gonna, if you're gonna like, um, maybe pass through it or like be able to really like transcend threat and anxiety and trauma and all of that, then it's gonna be like going through it. And what do you mean by transcendent? Transcending it? Well, I just mean, you know, that that maybe trauma is not like the worst thing. (laughs) Levine is saying it's a it's a portal into a spiritual awakening. Like that's so profound. Mm -hmm. It's so that's so ridiculously profound that like this thing that we see as bad and like we need to eliminate and learn to heal from and you know like it's this whole thing that we do um when we're trying to help people um and like what Levine is saying is like it's one of the ways that you can become awakened mm-hmm. like that's it's a different level I feel like you know yeah 
So, yeah, but just, you know, just noticing like when you get activated by stuff. Because we experience threat all the time. Even if it's a criticism. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's these apparently like small things. I, I think about like, you know, we just had a long three-day weekend or whatever, Memorial Day weekend. And I think about like when when, you know, the start of the week, the start of the work week is approaching like, I get activated, you know, it's like threatening somehow, you know, mm -hmm. I feel some like level of anxiety and stress about that, you know, so there it is. Yeah. You know, and I can either sort of surrender to that or I can like be in this anxious place where I'm constantly like trying to manage my own stress and anxiety, you know, which just gets really old. And I, I just wonder, like, how many people live in that place where they're constantly, like, just trying to manage threat all the time, you know? You never find your way out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this, like, I, I've noticed in talking to people about their activation and, like, anxiousness and stuff, that there's this point that sometimes we reach, which is, like, It's like this surrender, but not not in the good way. It's like this surrender, like this give up. They give up. You know, yeah. like I can't do anything about it. Right. I just the work week hits me every week and it's freaking stressful and like it just keeps coming. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, and, yeah, it's and not people a, get depressed, but like. It's not a like a blissful, happy surrender. Yeah. But I think it can be. It can lead to, yeah. Yeah. So, like, sometimes people move into this space where they're like, I just can't do it anymore. You know? Mm -hmm. It's so, it's gotten so old and, like, I've tried everything I know how to do to, like. Resistance is futile. <laughs> Resistance is futile, right? <laughs> right. But like somehow that's a progression into this space where you become paralyzed, right? You, you, you have this sense of helplessness to do anything about your own life, to like manage the threat and like control everything anymore. And I think that's a good place to be, you know? Because that, this like, this surrender in some ways is like what comes out of that what is mm -hmm. what comes forth you know it can also again lead you into like depression if you it's part of it continue to resist it yeah you know and it's but yeah it's part of it like this real grief about Life is not. That's a strange place that depression or that grief, because it can. It can be an expression of the resistance, but it can also be an expression of the surrendering too. There's it's, yeah. there's this. Middle space where there's kind of this going back and forth, yeah. at the same time the resistance. And this surrender and this like depression and grief is right in between mm -hmm. you know yeah i think 
I think there's, I think it's right to have grief about it. You know, it's not saying, you know, oh, this is great and just enjoy it or whatever. But, you know, because like death being a part of life, like, I think you're allowed to have some profound grief about that, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's your own death or the fact that other people in your life will die and you'll lose them in a way, um, permanently and impermanently maybe and so like and and then i think like that grief just kind of get like it just sort of um, gets stuck mm-hmm. there yeah you know? yeah that's a good you, way of saying you're it. grieving about it and you haven't you also haven't like gotten to the place of acceptance mm-hmm. you know and that doesn't mean the grief goes away in some ways the grief just like hangs yeah hangs there mm-hmm in your consciousness or something that's a good way of putting it but then but like also but also maybe you get to this place where it's like death is a part of life you know i'm just gonna surrender to that and that doesn't mean i don't think what we're suggesting is that you you know Don't get sad or feel grief when, you know, your loved one is dies, you know, but it's just a different, it's just a different kind of experience, you know, if, if you've surrendered to that and really moved into that space, it's different. It's not that there isn't sadness or a sense of loss that comes at all. It's just that grief is maybe recontextualized and yeah yeah and i think transformed yeah i think when you when you have a loved one pass away you you experience this intense grief of loss and like this tearing you know um it's like this tearing apart you know that's really really painful and then you sort of enter this like space I think where it's that place that we're talking about which is like succumbing to it it's like this you're you're like fighting it and having all these really intense like emotions like not wanting it to be true and and then like then you sort of realize yeah, they're not coming back. You know, it's this is the reality for me mm-hmm. now, right? You have and you have nothing left to do at that moment than just to succumb to it. You know, this really sublime pain of loss, and that's where this happens. I think where you surrender to it. You know, so it's not it's not like oh, nothing that happens is any big deal. It's not like all the threat that you experience all the time is like. You're not supposed to have feelings about it. Yeah. You know, I think. Not that you're totally unaffected or anything. Yeah. I mean, people have this idea that like if you're practicing, you know, these spiritual things, practices and like meditating and stuff like that, that stuff isn't just isn't going to affect you anymore. That's not it at all. It isn't. I think it's actually you're more deeply affected and like aware of the feelings of the really intense like 
crazy things that happen to you when you're a human being. <laughs> really intense, crazy emotions and like, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, but then there's like this thing that happens that you pass through that's like really profound you know yeah it can lead you in a to a deeper way of seeing things yeah which i think is kind of like good way and you know good way of saying awakening or whatever like i think a lot of people have a lot of different ideas or concepts about that word awakening it's like it's just a deep, like a deeper way of seeing, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. So that I guess that's what I'm talking about when I say like transcending it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, the experience. It's not that transcendence doesn't mean that you go into this place where you're totally unaffected and or anything like that. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I think about like the meditation thing and I think we were trying to maybe articulate this a couple episodes ago or whatever like just this kind of passivity that maybe meditation is is <laughs> you know, it's like it's like practicing just just becoming passive and receptive instead of you know where your where your nervous system is like always wanting you to be doing something you know gets gets get stuff done always wants you to be thinking about stuff analyzing it you know to mm -hmm. death and like meditation is just like stopping all of that and just letting reality be what reality is Again, your nervous system just is, exists to get you into the next second. And the meditation for me is like peeling that off and like just sitting. You know, I think I was saying like lay, laying back and just, you know, if you picture yourself just like laying flaccid or prostrate you mm -hmm. know that's those are like the postures if you want to think about it that way that are like the opposite of what your nervous system is always doing your nervous system is always ready always ready always looking always separating yeah categorizing meaning making mm-hmm Controlling everything. <laughs> Manufacturing. Uh -huh. Yeah. So meditation, you know, this, this, this is meditation is like an interesting one out of death, meditation, sex and trauma. Like meditation seems like it doesn't fit in some ways because it's like, it's like this, it's not this thing. It's not something that happens to you. It's like something that you do. All these other things are like these really intense things that are like ha like happen to you or whatever. Mm -hmm. And meditation's like just a practice. 
you know, something that you do. But so it's interesting to me that practicing that like puts you in the same place as this surrender that we're talking about. Well, to trauma or, or death. I think it depends on how you how you look at it, you know, because death, meditation, sex, trauma, maybe what all of these have in common is that it puts you in they can put you in contact with. something that's happening that is always happening, which is just like this just this I don't know what what do you want to call it this this level of like pure beingness right mm-hmm. that's beyond like be it encompasses and it it encompasses all experience, but is the experience as well. You know what I mean? Like each one of these, I think has the opportunity to kind of like reduce, reduce the perceived or the so-called you into this like fundamental basic, like beingness right or consciousness that is probably like what we all are that transcends but also is Mm -hmm. the experience you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it's like meditation is like very much like a practice right Mm -hmm. and definitely more intentional than death but lead you lead you to a place that's just always there always happening you know like it's just always it's always there sex same thing you know when you're having an orgasm or whatever like they call it the little death Mm -hmm. right and I think what they mean by that is like in that moment when you're having an orgasm like your your ego and all of its like um, you know motivations of like self protection or separateness or whatever collapse because especially like if you're having an orgasm if two people are having an orgasm at, at the same time there's this there's this that felt sense of like separation collapses Mm -hmm. you me kind of collapses Mm -hmm. there's like this unity there or this beingness it's like a right it leads you right down into that like beingness or that just that basic fundamental kind of Uh reality that's in us all you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
It's like 100% vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. There's not there's not separateness. You're no longer like there's no walls. No, if two people are having an orgasm at the same time, uh-huh. there's like there's this yeah that sense of like you and me gets it it goes away you know like it it really starts to disintegrate i'm not saying it totally go or anything like that it's not you're still seeing the other person or whatever it's not like you go unconscious and or anything like that but like that sense of separation you me ego it just dissolves and there's this unity or this beingness or in that point an interbeingness which collapses into just beingness or whatever mm-hmm. you know the meditation is just a another portal or a way to realize or recognize that same thing death will do that you know mm-hmm. trauma you know yeah the same things there all the time that same basic fundamental like realities there all the time and these portals are like waste yeah so you might you might call that consciousness yeah i think you can call it all kinds of different words you know what i mean consciousness or beingness or awareness or god or whatever you like you know it's that don't get hung up on the word yeah it's that or it's that whatever it is that's there all the time and encapsulates all of this is is bigger than all of this but it's also this at the same time hmm. you know yeah. whatever you call that i don't know yeah so you know we're calling them portals into that mhm you know it's there all the time and it, you know you spend any time surrendering to whatever in all these different ways then you've maybe touched it and it's interesting to me that it happens for like a second yeah for us a lot of times like an orgasm is like it's very time limited thing typically which is yeah why you know like tantric sex and you know that ecstasy is like maybe about being able to experience that like in a more um like a longer form or something um so that you know like because it's really it's really interesting because like if you get overstimulated like even in a pleasurable way um that again the overstimulation is what produces this sense of surrender it's Mm -hmm. like you're totally out of control of your own body Mm mm-hmm you know, and it and it happens in pain and trauma, and it also happens in pleasure. You know, so sex also feels like it doesn't fit in this list in a lot of ways because the other ones seem so painful. Yeah. Um, but it's you know, it's like the reaching that point of like overstimulation is kind of what an orgasm is. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And then you touch into this place where you're like no longer in a lot of ways what it means to be human Mm -hmm. you know like your nervous system is always in control and keeping you safe 
protecting you, controlling things, and your your brain is disengaged. You can only be in that moment. You know, you're not thinking about stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's. I think you're right. You know, all of these seem pretty different on the surface, but I think at the core of them, is they they'll show you the same thing. Uh huh. Yeah. You know? And it, you know, which I think is. I think is a good a good thing that um and I think actually these portals are I think there m- maybe are more portals than just this but mm-hmm. I think it's good that um there are these portals or paths that we can take because um You know, one may not be very oriented towards, like, meditation. Mm-hmm. You know, and it kind of depends on, like, your temperament or your, you know, your personality or whatever. Like, your 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 style or whatever. Some people are more oriented towards, like, meditation. Some, you know, are more oriented towards other things. Like, it would... It feels natural to me to like, you know, death doesn't seem that problematic, doesn't feel like that uncomfortable for me to mm-hmm. contemplate and think about and really kind of meditate on and sink into. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why necessarily. Um, but other people may not, and, and so they may, you know, it's good for people to be able to find their own little portals. Yeah, I th- that's why I think this, these four pathways or portals put together like this are, is so interesting because, like, they seem so different from each other. <coughs> yeah. You know, but, yeah. like, seeing them all in the same passage, you know, um, the same, like, idea um is really interesting they're all very human things and um you know things that we can experience and and really experience into the same thing you know and so um yeah it's just interesting that they're so different and but there are obviously pathways and then the other part of me like wants to take that and like extrapolate it um logically and and say okay so like what is you know we can do these things and we can you know when they present themselves or like maybe if we want to develop a practice of meditation um which you could also call contemplation or prayer or silence um you know to really like draw this out and say maybe this is just a way of life you know that every day when you wake up you can be sort of like surrendered to whatever's going to happen to you that day. Um, Whether it's stressful or pleasurable or, you know, maybe you can make the meditation practice happen um, and practice like just being present, being in silence, you know, becoming receptive. Um, Maybe meditation is its own form of like paralysis. Um, But 
that this is, yeah, that maybe we can just be experiencing this all the time. That would be my idea, my hope. Experiencing that sense of, like, surrender all the time? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, again, you're going to notice your nervous system, like, activating because it experiences, like, anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anything you experience, like, you know, this morning I'm like sitting at the kitchen table and my partner walks into the room and I'm like, oh, she's here, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. interrupting whatever I'm doing, mm-hmm. you know, and I can be surrendered to that. There's an activation that happens. Sure. Right. And like, oh, I need to interact with her or deal with her or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but also like maybe I can just practice like surrendering to the fact that she walked into the room. You know? It's a good practical mm-hmm. example. There are lots of things that happen every day. You know, some of them are good, what we'd call good, and what some of them are what we'd call bad or not pleasurable. And both can lead us to surrender. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, just being unabashedly joyful about something would also be a practice of surrender in a lot of ways right getting excited about something yeah you know happy (laughs) to see someone sure you know Mm -hmm. so yeah i just think it's you know these are the ways that are identified that are like really powerful and profound but maybe they have implications for the rest of our lives and the way we interact with life definitely I love I love what he says about this you know I I wish this was just more integrated in our you know society and just our our social dialogue you know these things are pretty important yeah yeah I was talking about the little deaths that we experienced with somebody the other day and you know we were talking about why this isn't really like a common framework for understanding life Mm -hmm. you know do you have any thoughts about that (laughs) i mean it's kind of counter to our culture obviously i just you know like that self-preservation you know it's all so it, it's once again it kind of like I feel like it just goes down to this basic like nervous system response to like tighten up and recoil and that mm-hmm. that's where that whole psychology of like self preservation comes from it's that that constriction or that recoiling mm-hmm you know, and we, yeah. we just unconsciously go with it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. We just unconsciously go with it. Yeah, sure. Living is good and dying is bad. Uh huh. So. Or win, you know, or winning is good and yeah, losing is bad. Or getting yeah. getting is good and not getting is bad. And like it's all, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. So maybe there's something in the middle there that both are okay, you know. Not really saying death is good and living is bad. You know? Yeah. It's, I mean, you have sometimes you have to say, like, to people, death is maybe not so bad. You know, which is one of the things that we're saying, but that doesn't mean, like, living your life and trying to stay alive and that's not, being yeah. safe is not the right thing to do. Yeah, that's not, that's not what we're saying. Uh-huh. But maybe, like, if life and death are just part of reality, then there's something, like, at the, at the center of those that is important for us to get okay with and experience somehow. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. It's that dang nervous system. What's that? It's that dang nervous system. You know? And it's always in charge. (laughs) It's always in charge. Shut it down sometimes, people. Okay. Well, we'll continue this conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. This is a single tree podcast, if I didn't mention that. We didn't, but... And if you listened all the way through, now you know. Yeah. What you're listening to. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Talk to you soon.